At Urban Farm Podcast, we are all about education, and April is Foliar Feeding Month. Have you heard of it? It is a super simple application of spraying liquid organic fertilizer on your trees and garden plants. The leaves, branches, and trunks are incredible at absorbing nutrients. And if your soil isn't great or your pH is off, foliar feeding is a quick and long-lasting fix to get your plants the nutrients they need. Want to learn more? Join us for our free online webinar on how to apply this amazing process to your gardens and fruit trees. Visit urbanfarm.org to sign up. That's urbanfarm.org. You're listening to the Urban Farm Podcast, your partner in the Grow Your Own Food revolution. Whether you've just been introduced to urban farming or you're a lifelong advocate, we're sure you'll leave feeling more informed, equipped, and empowered to dig deeper into the soil of your local food economy. With you every step of the way, here's your host, Greg Peterson. Today on the Urban Farm Podcast, we have Doug Simons of Chonchka Remedies to talk about his experience with edible and medicinal plants. At 11 years old, Doug began learning about native plants of Colorado from his mother. He has gained a vast amount of knowledge about edible and medicinal plants through his experiences living in the Sonoran Desert and Gila Wilderness of southern New Mexico. He lived primitively for over 20 years and now teaches about primitive skills, medicinal plants, and wild edibles. Welcome to the show today, Doug. Great to be here, Greg. Thanks for being here. So I shared a bit about you. Can you fill in the blanks for us and share more about the path you took to get where you're at now? Yeah, that sounds fun. I, um, I've i always had a connection with the plants. I don't think I really realized when I was young as a child that everybody else wasn't exactly like me. <laughs> and um, one of the things that I teach in my classes and that's very, very important to me is that uh, the plants are living people. And uh, we, in the modern times, tend to treat them as substance which gets in the way of really receiving all the gifts that they have and the magical ways that they can help us both in a food way and in a, in a medicinal way healing our bodies. Uh-huh. So plants were always something that I've had a great affinity with, and as a little boy, I could always hear them talk to me. Oh, nice. And I didn't realize everybody else didn't have that same experience. And now, and I'll kind of go through more, of course, but now in... In when I teach my classes and those kind of things, I teach people how to how to be able to hear the plants. That's part of what what I uh, share. Wow, how so, cool is that? Um, and it it it's a very natural thing, so it's actually not that hard. And um, as anything that is natural for us to do, we can do it. So anyway, I spent um, my childhood around plants and grew up around my sister who is also an herbalist and she taught me a lot at that point and then in my uh, early 20s I just started living outside and uh, from about the time eventually when I hit say maybe 26 or 27 I I started living outside all the time and it was quite a a revelation to me that that somebody could actually do that Mm -hmm. Um, and I lived outside and camped and ate mostly food that I brought with me for the first year or so and uh, began to understand what it was like to unwind. And then the the plants just have always been such a passion and a, uh, a force in my life. I had this 
ideal of being able to eat only wild plants, only wild edible plants. And over a number of years of acclimating myself to all the parts of living outside and becoming that person that our history, everybody was like that, I slowly got to the point where I could eat only wild plants for uh, months at a time that turned into years at a time. I lived on on wild edibles. Uh, During that time, I was a vegetarian, so I didn't eat meat. I didn't uh, pursue hunting or trapping, though I had the passion to to learn many of the techniques, and I'm very good at making all of those things. I just don't like to kill animals. And uh, so that part of what I do is, you know, that's not been part of how I've given myself sustenance. And I've I've had a gift of... uh, understanding the medicinal plants and over many many years many human teachers much time spent outside almost 20 years living only outside wow um, i i gained a vast amount of of ability and you know i found it really interesting the first time i told somebody that i would help them with medicinal plants within hours there was a line of people who wanted my help and that's how a gift is yeah when when you have it other people recognize it and so i've spent most of my life helping people with medicinal plants and teaching teaching these classes teaching them how to 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 understand the plants and and identify them and use them as medicine to use them as food and throughout that i've helped literally 10,000 people with uh, health imbalances with their uh, through herbal medicine and and ceremony. My life has been about connecting to what we call the unseen. The seen world is this place that we we inhabit, but the unseen is where we can hear the plants and all of the other living beings. Where all of us have a relation to the unseen, but the 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 difference is that if we deliberately want a relationship, that's when we have uh, a known connection to the unseen and our life gets much more powerful and balanced and joyful, really, because as human beings, we're not supposed to totally ignore the unseen, which is kind of the way it is currently in modern life. There's always been a thread of connection and seemingly people are much more eager to redevelop that connection now. What I do uh, now is I, I teach classes, I offer consultations both in person and on the phone, and uh, and help people with, uh, with whatever needs they might have. How cool is that? So you're talking unseen, the unseen world? Yeah. Can you kind of unpack that a little bit more? Sure. There really is very little difference. If we're the word, the semantics are are helpful. So we have to have some way of, of describing this. Right. The unseen and the seen are all completely woven together, and we can live an entire life and choose not to recognize the unseen and live only in this seen world, this material place. And it's actually an illusion itself. This, just like the unseen, is is in a sense an illusion. The seen world, the gift of it is that it's very real to us. There's pain. There's pleasure. There's avoidance. 
there's happiness and and it's and and they they're very very real in the unseen um, in the scene in this place oh, in yes. the seen place that we live right all of these all of these things are very very real to us and so it's an incredible place to learn uh pain and pleasure can drive us to some amazing insights the unseen world is that place of of uh where where all of our relatives in, are available for us to, to c- connect with and, and, and to guide, to be, to help guide us. Mm-hmm. And by relatives, I mean rocks. We, we start out with the premises, the understanding that everything's alive. So I teach plant communication classes, but really it's, it's communication with all our relatives. It's done the same way and they speak to us in the same way. So it's, the the unseen world is this place that is inhabited by all of these relatives that we live with yet now they become something to us beyond substance which we all know but our education is very biased toward substance only we use things to physically change our world we but we don't really acknowledge life and you know i mean science is an absolutely amazing thing i'm 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 blown away by technology and science all the time yet their one downfall if they have one well they probably have many everything has has problems is that they don't choose to recognize the unseen in all they do it's a very heavily seen world concept and in my life i'm Continuous, continuously uh, consulting and listening to all my relatives. And if we stop and think about something like, where did we learn an edible plant? Where did we learn a uh, medicinal plant? Well, there's some weird theories that don't really make much sense. Oh, we, t- we tasted them and used them, and if they didn't kill us, we kept doing it. And there might actually be a bit of correctness to that. But most of that information comes from the plants themselves. They communicate with us, and and they're communicating with us all the time. For example, if we were to be out on a walk and we saw a gorgeous flower and really excited us and we went over to look at it, that's a fantastic example of a plant communicating with us. Oh, yeah. But we take all the credit. We, we're like, oh, my eyes saw it. I'm looking at color. Uh-huh. And we forget that this is the method that this plant used in that instance to bring us over to it. Now, if we, if we were aware of that and believed those kind of things, then immediately I would speak to the plant and thank her for calling me over. And I might tell her how beautiful she is and then I would ask her, what did you bring me over here for? And maybe even ask for that plant to put the information in a way that I can understand readily. And as we, uh, if we move in that way in the world, then we're much, much, much more available to learn and hear things that uh, might take a long time to get through to us. Almost everything that's ever been discovered comes to us that way, but we just take all the credit. <laughs> I mean, Einstein, I don't know if you remember this, but Einstein said, yeah, I figured out the, rel- the theory of relativity one day when I was sitting under a tree, mm-hmm. and it just came to me, right? That's, 
that's basically how the world works, but we always take credit. And, and I think the, I mean, that works in the way it works, and maybe some people might even be satisfied with that, but the, what is available to us is an actual chosen relationship. And at that point, things become, come to us much more quickly, and the, the relationship is, uh, a, a much more joyful experience. We're, we're excited to be around our friends, the plants, our friends, the stones who help us and teach us. And basically, you know, nobody really taught me all of this. Uh-huh. I think I had some teachers, and it's not like something that I myself just discovered. It's the way it's been forever. But by spending so much time outside, it just happened. It just happened to me. Wow. And uh, so I, I, the, I have questions for you because okay. this, this is correlating for me in an interesting way. I've always wondered how beer and wine and fermenting happened. It's like that is, that is something that I can't imagine people 10,000 years ago starting to experiment with fermentation and coming up with beer and wine. So what you just proposed was a possible way that we discovered that. Well, I, uh, and look at that. I fell in the trap. Did you hear what I said? The, yeah. We discovered that. Right. Can you speak to that? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I, I, my experience has shown me because, I mean, one of the things that I think about a lot are, is perspective. Perspective uh-huh. is everything. We can have a perspective about a, a, an experience for example, that, that comes from fear. So our, our perspective is immediately fear-based. And mm-hmm. we see somebody on the street and we consider them a dangerous and bad person, perhaps, and we're frightened of them and we avoid them. But if we came from a perspective that was, wow, I wonder who that is, um, we the our entire experience when we got home oh i met i saw a dangerous person today oh i met so and so and they were wonderful mm-hmm. um the perspective that we start with will often give us uh the end end result so i think it's very important i i enjoy very much always looking at the perspectives that i carry because Many of the perspectives that I've had in my life, I even I never even knew I had them. They uh-huh. were just how I did it, and then I would figure out, wow, this is just one way to look at it. Oh yeah, and yeah. and so this other perspective that I, that we're discussing, that I'm talking about, my experience, the unseen world, the the ability to communicate. Um, if we have, if we have that perspective that this is available to us and that we can use various techniques, which are all simple and very similar to talking to each other, actually, then all of a sudden this information that that these other relatives carry is available to us. So how did they find out about fermentation? Either they were, in some way it was given, and if we stop and think about it, people have always had to work a little bit at being able to hear the unseen world. That's why there are things 
like ceremony. That's uh-huh. why there are things like vision quest, hmm. where we have to get ourselves out of the way enough to hear. And like any any new experience or really talent that we're trying to develop, it doesn't happen instantly. Well, I mean, it does, but it gets better and better. The quality, our ability, the simplicity, um, the habitualness all come with practice. The deliberateness is really the perspective that's different. I deliberately connect with the unseen. And through that, I get vast amounts of information. And and it's not unique to me. Many people who offer uh, medicine or healing, we're, we're all connected in that way. And and they they often say the first thing you hear is from spirit, and the second thing is from your mind. Oh, intro, uh, of course. Yeah, I think it's even a quote from the Bible. It's uh, the first thing is from God, and the second is Beelzebub. <laughs> there you go. And, and and all over the place, not just in the Bible. It's it's. It's been seen. All of this has been done before. Right. But uh, turning it into something consistently usable, very important, very helpful. So how does one start paying attention? And I think I use those words on purpose. How does one start paying attention and figuring out how to get from the seen to the unseen? Great question. And like all things that are natural uh-huh. they are in a, they are simple and elegant whenever we have a heavily contrived way of doing something mm-hmm. we're missing we're missing something we're missing the point all thing human beings are natural and if we live in a natural way then our life is fairly simple and flows and is easy and as soon as we start pushing it or contriving it we know that we're out of the the flow so you ask me, how does one develop an ability to be aware of the unseen? First, perspective. Even if you don't really believe it, believe it enough to do it. Believe that that, that, that exists and that you can do it. Without that, then there's no place to start. Communicating with the unseen, and let, let's simplify it to say communicating with a plant, is very, very similar to communicating with another human being. We have to be willing to communicate with them. The plants are there and speaking to us all the time, but we're not necessarily believing that we can hear them or not hearing them at all. One of the examples I I give is imagine if being at a party and people are all around you living as in a party, loud, talking, bumping into each other, and and people are greeting you, and you absolutely give them no recognition at all. If someone bumps into you, you're kind of irritated, like getting your clothing caught by a branch. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're communicating with us all the time, but we absolutely ignore it, absolutely ignore it. So the place to begin is to know that it's happening and believe that, believe it enough to try so speak deliberately to these relatives that's first in there in a way there's almost formularic ways to go about it things that have been discovered and and have stuck with culture forever one of the things is offering and it really speeds things up give it give give a seen world offering when 
choosing to communicate with somebody, whether it's the wind, the clouds, a hawk, a stone, a plant. Having a seen world offering is very helpful because an offering does several things, and especially it could be anything. It could be some hair, some spit, some cornmeal is very has been around forever, uh, plant pollen. What about words? Uh, words, yeah. Words, well, words are what we use to communicate, absolutely. And we speak to the, to the, uh, to the person, the plant person, the stone person, whoever it is, and we wait to hear something back. And the way we hear something back will be later, actual words, images, a thought pattern. And often we don't recognize the communication. We just, it's something mm-hmm. that we just mm-hmm. take all the credit for and don't realize that we're being communicated with. Wow. That, that that's what's happening. And the more deliberate we are, the more we're able to receive these communications and see them for what they are. And the more we're able to do that, the more we're able to communicate again. So we, in, in, a, in a normal person's life, in the modern times, we will, we'll get an epiphany or a, a communication, some, or a cool thought, an epiphany, a cool thought, a great idea. Mm-hmm. Um, but we won't recognize it as anything more than how, whatever words we choose. We like it, we might even think it's magical, um, or we'll just just call it instincts or or even take all the credit for it. But if we're using the perspective that I'm speaking of, we see it immediately as communication, and so we deliberately continue the communication. We speak again, and there and there's there's a series of things that I like to do that I feel facilitate my ability to to communicate in the unseen. And by that, imagine some of the things that you do in the seen world to facilitate communication with another human. You are often diplomatic, mm-hmm. maybe not too loud. You choose your words. You choose your timings. Uh, you listen to the other person. Many styles. I mean, there's there's literally courses in in how to communicate, and 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 they're all just things to do. Do it this way. Well, communicating with the unseen, first off, is first and foremost, it's communicating. You can't communicate without communicating. Right. So it has to be a deliberate choice. Uh-huh. Otherwise, it's very haphazard. Things still happen, but. We make it into a deliberate choice. Communicate. Use our words. And then I've found a number of things really helpful. And as I was saying before, a, an offering is often a really, really useful, uh, way of, of initiating and making communication with the unseen much faster and more clear. And the reason that offerings are known and have been used in every culture for all of history is because they work. The best offerings are offerings from the seen world. And because we, if we offer something, an object, 
that means that we are recognizing that we are in the seen world. Mm-hmm. It's a very important thing. We don't want to spend our time trying to be to leave this gift of the seen world and float around in the unseen. If someone tells you they have a very strong connection to the unseen and their their seen world life is chaos, they don't have a good connection to the unseen because we reach into the unseen to make our seen world stronger. We're supposed to be here. We're only in this illusion for a very short time, 90, 100 years, sometimes way less. Right. And we want to work hard on staying here. And we reach to the unseen to to help our seen world experience because we're in a place where growth is unparalleled. It's a very powerful place to learn. So making a seen world offering of some substance is is offers that awareness that we a humble awareness that we're here. There there are things like corn, as I said before, right. pollen, tobacco. Tobacco is one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Is my favorite, I should say. And tobacco came to me many years ago, maybe well, maybe not that many years ago, fifteen, twenty years ago. Right. She came to me in a vision. She came to me as this giant yellow and black snake. And she told me that her gift to us, and it's not her only gift, Mm -hmm. but it's a very, very powerful gift. It's why people smoke tobacco. Even the people who wish they smoked less, it's based in this. She is an interpreter. What we say to another relative, a plant, a bird, the wind, whatever, is heard more easily and clearly by them, oh. and their response to us right. is heard more clearly ourselves. So tobacco, what an incredible gift, right? What a, what a, what a usable tool. So I always have a pouch of tobacco, and when I'm talking to a plant, I use it. When I'm talking to any of these other relatives, the wind, the stone, the birds, I, I use the tobacco, and it speeds up the, the process. And if we think about it, you mm-hmm. know, the Native Americans used it in what they called a, a chanupa or a peace pipe. Right. And that was to settle differences. And how do we settle differences? Mm-hmm. By hearing the other individual and them hearing us. So tobacco has always been used to to interpret and allow people to hear more clearly. So by using an offering, this is just another technique. Right. The main technique, talk and believe that you can hear and believe that they hear. Know that they're living relatives, complex exactly like us. Wow. So they, yeah. This is fascinating. Right. And the simplicity is amazing, right? Oh, yeah. And and you also know that you're hearing something that has a validity because the way it makes you feel. I, I learned a long time ago that the simple and the elegant are what we're looking for. Mm-hmm. Something that's clean like that. Right. That means it's a natural thing that we get to use. So using a seen world offering, very powerful. Right. We have to remember that an offering is not like purchasing. We're not throwing down something, something and then taking what we want. We're acknowledging an exchange of energy. So... This this ability to exercise a natural part of ourselves is very, very wonderful and special. 
and many cultures in the past, this was the base of their spirituality and basically the base of their lives. And the uncomfortable or hollow or I'm missing something in my life, this is it. Oh, this yeah. is it. Knowing that these other relatives are alive and that we can treat them as something besides substance, it brings a huge happiness and relief to us. Because nobody really likes to treat anybody else terribly. Mm -hmm. And uh, by not recognizing them and treating them only as substance um, makes us not as, uh, as serene as we could be. Yeah. So I'm going to boil it down here. Pay attention. Listen. I think that's it, right? Yeah. And especially know that this exists. Yes. Because if we don't know it exists, then we're yeah. not going to be doing it. But know that you have this ability, that the, that all of these relatives are willing to communicate with you. Uh -huh. And then know that everybody does it, can do it. And uh, it's only a matter of being deliberate. One of my teachers used to tell me, being willing to be willing. Very well said. Yes. Yeah. Being willing to be yeah. willing. So you're going to be speaking at the Homegrown Food Summit here? And I'm assuming that it's going to be along these lines. Can you kind of give us a little picture of what you're talking about there? Yeah, I uh, this on this particular one, I believe we've done several recordings, all of them really interesting, or videos, actually. And this one will either be on plant communication, similar to what we've just been communicating about. Uh -huh. And then I also did a, um, a how-to video on how to make really cool tire sandals they're they're from oh nice the Tarahu, yeah yeah they're from the tarahumara people in northern mexico the runners i don't know if you've ever known about them but oh, they're yes. world famous runners that's what they run in and they're called warachis de tres puntos which means three-point sandals and I learned how to make them from directly from them when I lived down there amongst mm -hmm. them for a while. And the, again, it's really simple, but there's a few tricks that make them from kind of floppy and clunky and a little hard to, to really enjoy right. to right. the best sandal or shoe you've ever put on. You can run, you can, it's just like being barefoot, but a little bit protected. And they, you know, they used to make them out of, out of natural materials, rawhide, yucca, and but then being ingenious human beings, just like the rest of us, they're like, wow, this tire is really cool and easy to use and lasts a lot longer. Let's use it. They use tire and leather and make really cool sandals. So there's, we did a how-to video on that, and uh, one of those will be on that upcoming summit. Fantastic. And I hope you guys get to watch it. Marjorie always puts together really good, uh, good groups of people and oh, learn yeah. a lot of, a lot of fascinating things. Yeah, I'm very excited to to participate. That's coming up the second week of March, 2016. Right. Yeah, look, really looking forward to that. Love what Marjorie does. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm going to shift on you here. Can you talk about a time you failed and how you overcame that failure? What you learned from it? Well, there, of course, there's been many, many failures in my life, and hopefully, at least now in my life, I, I often can see right away that this failure is a, a great way to gain something, whether it's in a relationship with a human or some physical thing that I'm doing. 
I've learned something. Right. And if I'm if my ego doesn't get in the way, boy, that's one of the greatest learning things there are. Yeah. I would say one of the I had a really great learning experience eating uh, prickly pear at oh, one my. point. Oh and, yeah. Yeah, and you know, prickly pear is not, people don't really know how to use the mature pads and they can make you sick, like, um, not like you're going to die, but like you have a very bad stomach ache. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I learned a lot by making a mistake with that. And I've literally eaten probably five or six or 10,000 prickly pear pads over a 20 year period. And really good food when you do it correctly. And it's not hard, uh -huh. but, um, but that was a that was an experience that uh, taught me a lot. I was roasting the prickly pear, the mature pads, mm -hmm. and those will make you sick right. if you eat a lot of them raw. And just learning how how to pay attention better. And uh, imagine that was, you know one. And so that's a that's a I mean a way a small failure, but it's memorable. And, uh, there you go. And, and, you know, if I would say to people who are interested in eating wild food, just be thorough and really enjoy yourself. Take your time. Mm -hmm. Learn one plant and learn it well. Take one that's known and, and enjoyed by many people. The, the famous ones, the ones that are really revered in culture after culture, like purslane and lamb's quarters and amaranth, those are the ones to start with because... Um, they're renowned for a reason and it might take you a minute the first time you ever cooked broccoli it might not have turned out that great right but uh, with experience learning these these renowned plants is a, a great way to start um, eating wild foods perfect and what do you consider your biggest success I think my biggest success has been being able to move from living I think I had two great successes one was to move from living in a modern world to living as a natural person living outside as a nomad eating only wild foods making all of my own clothing all all these things wow that was an incredible success an amazing experience took many 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 years that's why i can teach this stuff so well oh yeah you know i have it, it's my life i uh -huh. did it uh -huh. for many years and then the next success was shifting from that world to the one that i live in now that i I still get to participate in all of that, but I also get to live with humans and share what I know and be a, a more of a social person. Right. That was also a really fantastic success. Fantastic. So what drives you? What's your big why? At this point in my life, I guess I would answer this in, a, in a, just a several quick sentences. Why are we here? What are we, what are we supposed to do here? Why, why are we here as human beings? To score more chicks, to uh, get better material goods, a better car, whatever. Pretty empty. Yeah. What we're here to do is be good relatives and learn to be better relatives. So with humans, with all of nature, with the unseen world, to be a good relative. 
that's what we're here to do. And that's actually what drives me, is to live my life as a good relative and to learn to be a better relative. Through many years of ceremony, I mean, I'm a ceremonialist as well. Yep. I, I do all these things, but I'm a ceremonialist. And my teachers in that world, you know, they, they, made, they gave me a huge gift. They said, Doug, you're here to help people. Hmm. You stay on that track wherever it takes you, and you will be a... You will be a happy person. Wow, and, that's and that's that's what motivates me is helping people. That's beautiful, and, uh, and taking care of myself. Yeah. So, what projects are you currently working on? Well, I am currently doing things that I often do: collecting lots of plants, doing phone com- consultations and in-person consultations with people, helping people with ceremonies. Um, Supplying plants, selling plants, medicine to people, teaching classes. And one of the projects that I'm working on right now, actually my part is actually finished, is we just completed filming another DVD. Oh, nice. This one is, yeah, this one's very cool. It's treating infections, all types of infections, without antibiotics. So it's a fully natural system. And, of course, it was a good choice to choose me to do this because I've been doing this for 20 years. I'm, I'm like, I understand how to use these medicines in ways that many modern herbalists have never had the opportunity to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, treating a serious infection, that's not something people do anymore. They go right to the, to the hospital. And that's not necessarily a bad choice, yet this other information is really cool and really valuable and often uh, with greater success and less less problems that one might get from those those uh, pharmaceuticals so you know it's cool information really helpful so that's that's one of the projects I'm really excited about they just have to do all the editing and all that now I want and one. I have by the way it? it'll probably be available in about two to three months and uh, I have another video already that people might love to know about. It's called Alternatives to Dentists, and it's a DVD that will teach you how your teeth work, that they're alive, so that, of course, if we know suddenly, oh, my teeth are alive, that must mean they have an entire system for maintaining their balance and healing themselves when they get out of balance. Right. So if we can support that, then suddenly we can take care of our teeth in a whole different way. And it's a very amazing DVD. I was well-spoken and very thorough. So you get all the information on on caretaking your teeth, healing cavities, healing cracks, uh, healing abscesses, orthodontics, a whole section on understanding root canals and uh, wisdom teeth. It's all there. Gum, gum problems. Wow. So where do we find that at? All of that is available through my website, which is chanchka.com, and that's C-H-A-N-C-H-K-A, chanchka.com. Just cruise onto the website and look for what you want. Uh, My herbs and consultations are not on that website, I'll bet all you have to do is follow the website and email me from there. And perfect, you can 
get started and if somebody needs some help in that way. Super. And that'll be in the show notes page of the show for today. So I'm all about education and I have to know what one book has been most influential in this process for you. Okay, great. I have had a number of very influential books. If I were to choose one at the moment that I think I recommend really frequently to people, uh, it's a book called Healing with Whole Foods by Paul Pitchford. It's a text that will never go obsolete because it's not based in things that change. And it'll straighten out so many misconceptions and give some incredible uh, basics. The man gave us an incredible gift. Perfect. And, and I want to throw out a couple other books here that just came to mind as we were talking. The Botany of Desire. I'm sure you've read that one, yes? Um, yeah. I, that's been a while. I'm not very familiar with that one. Yeah. Botany of Desire and The Secret Life of Plants. Right. Yeah, that's um, Stefan... Uh, yeah, I can, dinner, right? Yeah, they'll, they'll be in the show notes page for the show today. But those are two two books that came to mind as we were talking. It's like, oh my gosh, those are two powerful, powerful books. Yeah, very, very good books. Yeah. So, what one final piece sure. of advice do you have for our listeners? Um, be a good relative. Enjoy yourself. You know, I think that maybe in this in this time right now. One of the things that people forget the most is that it's great to take care of yourself and and uh, take the time to really have some fun. And uh, one of the funnest parts is being nice to people, having being a good relative. There you go. And I love so, it. That, uh, I love it that people to you means plants, flowers, rocks, and people. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the show and sharing your experiences with us today, Doug. We really appreciate having you. You're welcome, Greg. I really enjoyed myself, and uh, hopefully everybody enjoyed listening. Yeah. So, How can our so listeners get a hold of you? They can get a hold of me most easily by hopping onto my website, chanchka.com, and uh, you can email me from there. Perfect. So that's uh, Perfect, perfect. Well, that's it for today. Thanks for joining us on the Urban Farm Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen three days a week for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. One of the first things that many of us learn when we start to garden is how to water and fertilize the soil. But there is an exception to this rule and it's called foliar feeding. You should foliar feed or water the leaves of your plant with liquid fertilizer when you want certain nutrients to be absorbed better. Not only are the leaves great at uptaking liquid fertilizer, if your soil isn't very good or your pH is off, foliar feeding can help your veggies and fruit trees quickly get the nutrients they need to thrive. If you're ready to start foliar feeding for maximum growth yields and quality, head on over to urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves to see our selection of foliar feeding products. That's urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves.